Hey everybody, Pastor Brian here, Senior Pastor at Burntwoods Church. I'm looking out the window right now as I'm recording this. The sun is just barely thinking about peeking out from behind the clouds. The weather the last couple days, my gracious, it's been miserable. It's especially miserable when you have dogs that have to go outside and the rain and the mud and they... Every time they go come back in, you've got to wipe their feet off. Like, ah, ah, it's just been a mess. Not to mention that it's just been dark and dreary. The weather stinks. Jill and Eddie, if you're listening to this, I wish I was down there with you, Phil and Gay. I wish I was down there with you in the sunshine, uh, enjoying the beach or something. Gosh, this weather's just been horrible. I love the fall, but I don't like rain and gray skies. But um, hey, nonetheless... It's Tuesday, October the 13th, and this is your weekly update. Um, We're going to be beginning something new today, and to preface that, take a listen. There's nothing more divisive than politics. You know, I heard a, a story about a man who was walking across a bridge one evening, and it was just about dark, and he looked up, and and he saw another man on holding on to the outside of the bridge, clearly about to jump, and He ran over to the guy and said, no, no, stop, stop. Don't do it. He said, why? He said, you have so much to live for. He said, like what? And the guy thought, oh, what am I going to say? He says, well, look at the river below us. and It's beautiful. And don't you even like to fish or just enjoy the outdoors? He said, I've never liked to fish. He said, well, he said, what about, uh, you know, sports? Or don't you like baseball? Everybody likes baseball. He said, no, I've never liked baseball. I'm a football guy. He said, well, that's all right. At least we can agree that, that, that sports are good, and that's something good, right? And the guy sort of grumbled under his breath. He said, what about a, a good steak dinner? Just think, if you come across the bridge, I'll take you. We'll, get it. we'll go get the best steak dinner you've ever had. And He said, I don't eat steak. I'm a vegetarian. He said, well, at least we can agree to go have a nice meal. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? The guy grumbled under his breath, and he said, but just... How about this? I mean, things are going pretty good for us. And, and I don't know when this story took place, by the way. But he said, look at our president and, and look at our country and our economy and things are going good, you know. And the guy turned over and looked over his shoulder and said, are you crazy? I didn't vote for our president. Nothing's going right in our country. I don't agree with anything that's happening in our country right now. And the first guy said, oh, just go ahead and jump. <laughs> and it's like that, isn't it? Like we can talk about anything. We can disagree on anything. But the moment we start dealing with politics, for some reason, the moment we start dealing with politics, it's like all bets are off. Boy, isn't that the truth? That's from a sermon I preached last year at the end of August, a sermon called The Christian and Politics. And I'm going to share more of that here in a little bit. But isn't it true that there's nothing more divisive in our culture right now than the issue of politics and what your political affiliation is or who you're voting for. I mean, there's nothing that seems to raise our collective blood pressure like the issue of politics. And here we find ourselves three weeks from a presidential election that is huge. And I mean, I know we always say it. It's always said every election's the biggest election we've ever faced. But I really believe that this is a huge election for us as a country. I think that this is going to 
mean a lot for us about how we go forward as a country. It's going to be a historic election, and I believe that for a lot of reasons. I'm going to talk about some of that in the future, uh, in the coming podcasts here uh, in a couple weeks. But what I've decided to do is spend these next three Tuesdays preparing us for the election. As a church and whoever else might be listening to this, as Christians, I hope that you'll tune in each week because I really think this is important. I want to prepare us for the election. Now, let me say this. Uh, those of you who know me, if you know me, I've been here at Burntwood's Church for eight years. I'm in my ninth year now. I do not endorse political candidates. I don't encourage you to vote for particular people. I rarely even touch on the subject of politics. I do my best to be apolitical from the pulpit. That's not my calling. I'm not called to be uh, your political conscious. I'm called to be a minister of the gospel, a messenger of the word of God. That's my primary calling. But I do feel like as your pastor, as the shepherd of this body of believers, that I have a responsibility right now to help you to prepare for this election and to prepare to vote in a way that I believe is informed biblically. I want you to be informed and help you to think through your life biblically in every area of life, including elections. So I have a plan over these next three weeks. I have a plan that I'm uh, I'm starting today. It just turns out that it it works out for us because of the timing. We have this Tuesday, next Tuesday, and then the following Tuesday, and then you know we're we're at the election. We're on. We're going to be looking at election day. And so what I want to do is just try to prepare us as a church for the election. And what I'm going to do, I have a plan to do this. Uh, what I'm going to do is I shared that clip from that sermon that I preached last year, not knowing just how big of um, a deal, or not even, I don't want to say that, just not knowing what 2020 was going to be like and just how crazy this election season would become. And who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, by the way. But um, what I'm going to do is take that sermon that I preached about politics, the Christian politics. I'm going to replay it, but I'm going to divide it into two parts so it's not such a big, uh, not that it was that long to begin with, but I'm going to divide it into two parts, half this week, half next week. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of commentary next week at the beginning just to sort of help you think through it. And then on week three, the week that we're leading up to the election, I'm going to do something uh, that I have never done ever in 15, 16 years of, of standing in a pulpit, of, of pastoring churches, of, of preaching the gospel. This is something I've never done, something I thought I would never do. This is something I've never wanted to do. But what I'm going to do on week three of this three-part podcast preparing us for the election is I'm going to share with you how I personally approach the issue of voting. Uh, maybe you're struggling with how to handle this as a Christian. How, how can you move forward as a Christian? Uh, how, maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, there's just no good option here. I don't, I don't know what I should do. Um, well, I'm going to try to help. I'm just going to try to tell you how I think through elections and how I think through these issues. So that's coming in week three. I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there about what I think, how I think a Christian should approach voting, not just in this election, I mean, certainly in this election, but in every election to some extent, how Christians should uh, approach the process of voting in these, in these, with these big issues at stake. So that's coming in week three. So what I'm going to do without further ado is I'm going to, I'm going to play for you 
about 15 minutes of that message from last year. And that was, by the way, uh, the the final message in the series called True Answers to Tough Questions, where we dealt with the subjects of abortion, racism, uh, social justice, sexuality, um, I'm probably missing something here, gender, all these big questions that our culture was discussing. And some of them have become even bigger questions now or bigger topics of discussion now. But the what I did is I finished that discussion knowing that we were go, moving into this heated political process leading up to a presidential election. I wanted to talk about the subject of politics. And so I'm going to share half today, half next week with a little bit of commentary next week. And then week three, please tune in. I'm going to be talking about how I believe Christians should handle voting in this upcoming election. So um, I hope that this is helpful for you. I, I listened to it all again earlier today while I was doing some things down in the sanctuary. It was helpful for me to to hear it again and to think through these things again. Uh, so here you go, the Christian and politics. How should the Christian be involved, interact with, see the political process, and how does the Bible, most importantly, inform our perspective about politics. Here you go. My only goal today is to help you, equip you as we move forward in this election cycle and for the rest of your life, hopefully, to equip you to see the issue of politics and political activism through the lens of how a Christian is meant to live in this world according to the Bible. That's my only goal, and I'm going to do that by making three simple statements. Three statements. And I know that you don't always take notes, uh, I get that. If you don't want to take notes, I'm not watching very closely who is and who isn't. But today would be a good day to just write these things down, stick them in your Bible, uh, just so you have them moving forward. Because I really want you to be able to think about these things moving forward in the days and months and years ahead. I want you to be able to think about these things when we start watching the news, when our blood pressure starts rising. Uh, I want you to think about these things when you're on your Facebook page and somebody says something or shares something and you feel it welling up in you that you, you have a responsibility as a citizen of this country to respond to this person. Let me say this. It's not anywhere in my notes, but let me make this clear. You are a citizen of the kingdom first and of this country second. You're a Christian first and an American second. And so you have a duty to Christ above all else, not just your country. I'm not telling you not to be a patriot, not to love your country. I love my country. But I'm telling you to serve Christ first. And so three simple statements that can help us understand how we relate to the issue of politics as Christians. Number one, I'll put this one first. I thought about putting it last, but let's get it out of the way first. This is the first thing I want you to know, and that's that our political system has no bearing on the kingdom of God. No bearing on the kingdom of God. And, and, and I, I know that might sound strange. Let me quote John MacArthur again, just because his statement is so concise and so simple, and I love it. He says, there is no impact on the kingdom of God from the politics of this country or any other country. Now, that may sound strange to you. And if it sounds strange to you, I, I think it's probably because we as Christians, as evangelical Christians in America, have muddied the waters here. And I think for many of us, we've come up with the idea that, 
that our political opinions and beliefs and systems and the people we elect and all of that, that all those things are so important that we've elevated them to a place where we think they really are kingdom issues. And I just want to say it again, they, they are not because our political system has no bearing on the kingdom of God. It can't. The first song we sang this morning, we sang a paraphrase of Psalm 46. I don't know if you caught that. It's one of my favorite psalms. But the lyrics, some of the lyrics were just a paraphrase of, of a verse in Psalm 46. It said, Though the oceans roar, you are the Lord of all, the one who calms the winds and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage, I know my God is in control. Psalm 46, 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Do you understand what's being stated there? Like the, the nations can rage, the kingdoms can rise, kingdoms can fall, things in this earth can look completely out of control, completely off uh, the rails, but God only needs to speak and He'll melt the entire earth. He's not lost control. We can't, no matter who we elect, no matter who is elected, no matter if we agree or, or don't agree, we can't derail God's kingdom because of our political process. It's impossible. John eighteen thirty three. Jesus stood before Pilate, standing there in chains. I mean, get the picture here. Jesus, the Lord of all creation, Bound in chains, bleeding, standing before a man that he would only need to say the word and he would evaporate. Verse 33, Pilate entered his headquarters and called Jesus and said to them, said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own account, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And listen to Jesus' answer. This is so important. And this isn't just about him calling down legions of angels or anything like that. This is an important statement about the kingdom of God. Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Standing before a man who had a great deal of earthly power, and Jesus answers him and reminds him that, hey, no matter what authority you have here, it doesn't affect me because my kingdom is not bound to yours. You understand what I'm getting at here? Jesus saying, essentially teaching us that no matter who is elected next year, and no matter who controls the House and the Senate, no matter what judges end up on the Supreme Court, no matter what bills are passed or defeated, God is in control. His kingdom is still moving forward according to His plan. And you have to remember that. And I draw you to that example of Jesus before Pilate because think of it. There couldn't have been a moment in the history of creation 
when it appeared that God's plan was more out of control. I mean, just think of Satan and the demons. They understood who Jesus was and they saw him in chains and his humanity getting ready to be butchered. And even in the moment when Jesus, the Son of God, was in chains going to a cross where he would be spit upon, where he would be mocked, where he would be nails driven through his skin, where he surely would have cried out in agony as they did it, even in those moments where it looked like things were totally out of control and all was lost, God was actually in absolute sovereign control. So remember that as we go through this process, and and we could go to other places in the Bible, in the book of Romans, for instance, which remind us that there is no authority that's gained authority. It's not been allowed to gain authority by God. Somehow we think that people come to power and get elected outside of the sovereignty of God. That is not true. It's all within the sovereign hand of God. And now I know that that first statement sort of may may lead many of us to get uncomfortable because what, what you may be thinking is, well, the pastor's saying then that if the political system has no impact on the kingdom of God, then maybe I should have no involvement in the political system. If that's what the truth is, that one doesn't impact the other, then what's the point? Maybe I should just ignore it Altogether, but I think there's an answer for that, and I don't think you should ignore it altogether. And here's the second statement that I want you to write down. And that's that as Christians, we must take every possible approach to uphold righteousness in our society. As Christians, we have a responsibility to uphold righteousness in our society. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says that we are salt How many of you like salt on your food? I have a problem with blood pressure. It's probably because I love salt. And when I first got married, I didn't eat salt on anything. Denise converted me, and now it's out of control. I mean, I dump salt on everything. And salt, for us, what is the point of salt? Why do we use salt? It's not, listen, salt is not to make something salty. The purpose of salt is that it, enhances the flavor that's already there. You know that? You realize? Like it's not, we don't salt things because we want things to be salty. We salt things because we want the flavors to sort of bloom. That's the, the thing. I'm getting hungry. I haven't eaten breakfast or anything. <laughs> and we think of salt that way. But when Jesus spoke of salt, he didn't think of it that way, likely. In fact, the people who were, uh, would have been in Jesus' day and would have heard him say this would have understood the use of salt as something entirely different. Because what's the other primary use of salt? It's a preservative, right? Like, Nick, when, when we would go crabbing down, in, when, when we used to live in Southern Maryland, right, you've probably done this. 
When we would go crabbing every year, the first thing you did in the spring was you got a bucket of eels. Yeah, nasty, stinking, fishy, slimy eels. And what do you do to eels so they keep all year? You don't put them in your refrigerator. You salt them, not mildly. I mean, you, they live in a, in a bath of salt. And you can take those eels out of the salt and you can cut them up and put them on your line and you can use them, crab with them. And as long as the crabs don't tear them up too much, you can put them back in a bucket, put salt on them, and you can put them in your garage and it could be 100 degrees outside and they will not go bad. Because salt preserves. And, and that's the idea that Jesus gives us here when he says, you're the salt of the earth. And the presence and influence of, of followers of Jesus in the world is meant to have a preserving effect on the society where we find ourselves. So just like the salt in the bucket keeps the eels from going bad, Christians are meant to live in their society and be a preservative that keeps things from going bad. Imagine if you took the, the, the and our culture's pretty long gone. I'm just going to be honest with you. Denise, I'm not going to share with you what it was, but Denise and I were watching television the other night and a 30 second commercial came on. And we both, I think our jaws hit our, our, our breastbones and we just like glanced at each other like, are we really seeing this? I mean, it's, it's crazy how far we've gone, but imagine what it would be like if you took all of the restraints out of our culture. If you took the preserving effect of the influence of followers of Jesus out of the culture, imagine what it would look like. So we're meant to keep things from going bad. And he says that we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. We know by definition, what is light? I mean, the, I love the definition of light. Do you know there's an actual definition for light? You know what it is? It's not the absence of darkness. That's sort of right. But light is the definition of light is actually that which makes it possible to see. So it's subtly different, right? Light is that which makes it possible to see something. The only reason that you see anything is because of the presence of light. If there was no light in this room, I don't care if your eyes are are the, the, that you're, you have the greatest eyesight in the world. You could take the creature with the greatest eyesight in the world and place them in a room where there's no light and they will not be able to see, period. Now, have you ever been in a, a situation where it's dark? How much light does it take for you to be able to see? Not much. Just a little light and the darkness starts pushing back. The more light you have, the more easily you can see. So you're getting what Jesus is talking about when he says that we're salt and we're light. Jesus is saying that we're salt preserving the, the culture from going bad and that we're light pushing back darkness, making it possible for people to be able to see the truth. And, and in our particular context, one of the ways that we're allowed to be salt and light for us this is not true for every person living on the planet, but for us living in the culture and the, the place that we live in, one of the ways that we get to be salt and light is by taking advantage of the political system and influencing it by voting. All right, we're going to stop right there uh, for this week. That's about halfway through 
the message, and we're going to pick up on that next week. I have a few words of introduction to say about it next week. Um, but, you know, I, I want to encourage you this week as we wrap up. I want to encourage you just to be prayerful. You know, there's a lot of things we can be praying for. We need to pray for our country right now and the situation we find ourselves in, just the division in our country, the confusion, the uh, the just the mess that we our culture seems to be right now, you know? I know one thing. I know God is not the author of confusion. And all this chaos and confusion and uh, this sort of uh, fighting amongst ourselves is just not good and it's not godly. So we need to pray for our country. We need to pray that we would be wise and good representatives of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a lot of prayer that needs to be done. Pray for our church. This week is a big week for our church. We're taking another important step, and tomorrow night we'll be restarting our Wednesday night gathering. And so I want to encourage you, if you're able, to come on out. Make sure you RSVP to Janet so she can let me know how many people will be here. Uh, don't ever not come because you didn't do that, by the way. We want you to show up. But also, um, you know, we're going to be picking up our... Bible study that we've been working through all the way through the Bible from Genesis to the very end of the book of Revelation, trying to get the big picture of the Bible. And we've reached the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus. So we're picking that up this week and that will be live streamed as well. If you can't be here, you don't have to miss out. We will be live streaming. The live stream will start at about 640. I know that's an odd time, but we usually eat dinner from six to about 640. And then the live stream will start and Bible study will be live streamed until about 7.15. So it's short. It's about 35, 40 minutes of Bible study. But I want to encourage you to be there either online or preferably even in person as we get back to another big part of the life of Burntwood's Church this week, gathering for our midweek time. The youth will be doing their small groups. The children will be meeting together as well. It's just going to be a good time. So I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. If I don't see you then, I hope I'll see you on Sunday as we continue to work our way through the book of First Peter. And if I don't see you on Sunday, if I haven't seen you, some of you I haven't seen in months, I just want to know or want you to know that I'm continuing to pray for our church family, for all of you, uh, whether I'm seeing you or not seeing you. And one of these days, this will pass and we'll be back together. So I look forward to seeing you all at some point whenever I see you. The sun is just still trying to peek out through the clouds. Hopefully we get some sunshine and better days ahead. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Honor Christ in everything you do. God bless you. I'll see you soon. <laughs>